All right, if you open your Bible to Acts chapter 13, your Bible, your Bible app, we don't care. I don't care. <laughs> and we will start in verse 14. Um, as you remember, they're, that whole thing, they're going into that uh, island of uh, Salamis, uh, Cyprus, I mean, they're preaching at Salamis and then Paphos, and they run to that sorcerer and the uh, proconsul, Sergius Paulus. And uh, Eliamus, the sorcerer, he's trying to discourage the guy from getting saved. Well, the guy ends up getting saved, and uh, Elimus ends up blind. And then it ends in verse 13, our section last week, when Paul and his company, loose from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia. And John, uh, Perga and Pamphylia is modern-day Turkey. It's a coastal town. It's a port, as you would imagine, if they're sailing. And John, once they hit dry land, he goes and he departs from, from them and he goes back to Jerusalem. That's where we ended last week. So let's pray. Father, my God, as you look into your holy word, exciting time. Not because I'm exciting, because your word's exciting. It can speak into our lives in a way that, we, that will change us for good and God forever. And we, that's our heart's desire, Lord. We really want you to speak to us. We need you to speak to us. We need our, our daily bread, as it were, our manna. And Lord, fill our souls, encourage our spirits with, a, with the teaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Look, I want to get all the way to verse 52. It's a lot of verses, right? Hang on. Okay, just here we go. Uh, when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch. Well, they started in Antioch. That's where they were sent out. And that was Antioch in Syria. This is Antioch in Turkey. Uh, there's seven or more Antiochs, depending on who you listen to in the, in the kingdom at the time. Antiochus, it was named after. He's a big wig back in the day. The... the uh, Maccabean revolt was revolt against Antiochus, and so Antioch is a, there's a lot of Antiochs. So this is, a, they're in Antioch and Pisidia, and they went to the, uh, into the, the synagogue on the Sabbath and sat down. Where else would they go, these Jewish men? They go into the synagogue. So they sit down. After the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brothers, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. That ain't happening here. I'm going to bet everybody who... Uh, I don't let people do much with that. We have speakers from time to time. I'm not here all the time. And we have somebody else, and that's fine. But you know that I've vetted them. You know that. I, they don't just say, hey, you, you're new. Come on up here. You got anything to share? Wrong. And I think they vet them a little bit. We're not... It's not explained explicitly, but look at He's... Saul of Tarsus. He studied at the feet of Gamaliel. This guy is like famous, and he was in the Sanhedrin. I don't think they're just saying, hey, a new phase. Why don't you get up here and share? I think they know what's going on here. Hey, you got any word? Um, uh, yeah, okay, I'll, I, I, probably I could say something because, you know, Paul's a real, you know, shy guy. And, you know, give him a platform. He's going into Ephesus in the Everyone's coming, there's a big revolt. I'm going to win there, I'm going to share, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. I don't think it's a good idea, Paul, and they won't let him, you know. But he's never afraid, and I think that tells us it's a wonderful thing. So he's, you men and brethren, uh, if you have any word of exhortation for people, say on. Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand. I know a lot of people talk with their hands. I don't generally. I mean, I can, but I generally don't. I don't know why it says that, except that he beckoned with his hand. Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. 
There's two groups here, men of Israel, and then the Gentiles, the converts, and neither fear God. Okay? And he's addressing them both. Listen up. Give audience. Hear what I've got to say. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. With a high arm brought he, out, brought he them out of it. That's interesting because that's where we are in our study in Exodus on Sunday nights. Um, and about the time of 40 years, suffered he their manners in the wilderness. That's really where we are, okay? Um, the bitter water there at Elam with the, with the palms and the oases. Um, and then they're complaining about, hey, we got nothing to eat, and God rains manna on them. And this is that, what we're actually um, studying. It's interesting. But they would like to hear this history, this recounting of uh, what God's been doing it f among them for so long. He's going someplace with this. This is his introduction, but he's going somewhere with this. And he's like, hey, God, you remember God, you know, the one who bought you out of uh, Egypt, salvation, the one who fed you in the wilderness for 40 years and put up with all your shenanigans, your monkey shines and your nonsense. Um, that God, the, 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 the God who provides all your needs, provider God, Father God. And when he destroyed seven nations of the land of Canaan, he divided their, uh, their land to them by lot. Whose land is it? Well, it's God's. And God gave it to the children of Israel. He promised it to Abraham. Does God have a right to do this? Yes. Whose land is it now? God's. And God, if you read all the scriptures, he still has given it to the children of Israel. Well, they're, 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 they shouldn't be there. They've come there. They've only been there since 1948. And they have no right to the land. Wait, 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 wait. Who's saying that? The American? Who, <laughs> did, you, did you inherit this land? Like, how did, it, how did you get, you own land? How did it come to you? Uh, to the victor goes the spoils. So sad, too bad. Well, I guess you can say the same thing about Israel, if you want to. I mean, I mean, you know what I mean? This is what, this gets me. Oh, they, people complain all the time. Israel shouldn't be in the land. I, I hear this all the time. They're, 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 they're usurpers, says the white American guy. I mean, my land, one time, it must have been owned by, like, Penobscot Nation, I would guess. I'm, I live in county of Penobscot. I mean, I would, that's, that would be my guess. I, I never met the gentleman. It was a long time ago. And by the time I showed up, and, and we weren't first, Casper's Act isn't a first person's, first nation's person's name, you know, okay? I was looking over this book somebody gave me. My late greats, my great-grandfather, I guess, came to America. My grandfather was born in Boston. My father was born in Boston. I was born in Boston. And going back to the early 1900s, I think my late great, 1904, something like that, I think it was. We're looking at that. It's boring, is all, because I, I don't care. I know who my dad was. I, I don't care about You guys go back and study that till antiquity. Good. Nothing wrong with it. I'm not suggesting you're doing anything immoral or wrong. It just doesn't really interest me at all, right? So uh, I didn't take any land from any Indians. I, I came by it honestly. I mean, whoever had it, I bought it, okay, and I got a deed and everything. And I finished paying it off, and I got to just pay the taxes forever. But it's mine now, I, I guess. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, but I just want you to understand, this is God's land, America. He made it, okay? And by however you come to acquire it, fine. I'm not against that. But don't be t 
telling everybody where they should and shouldn't be and stuff like that. Just people who hate God say Israel shouldn't be in the land. That's all it ever seems like to me. Two teams, there's God's team and there's everybody else. And the people who really know God seem to understand this better. I'm just, okay, I'm going to keep moving. He gave it to them. He destroyed seven nations of the land of Canaan. He divided their land to them by lots. Why? He didn't want them Canaanites there. Uh, I'll tell you a history of the Canaanites sometime. I don't know if I can do it on a Sunday morning. It, it has to be like an adult group, and I can tell you some of the practices of the Canaanites where God said, enough, you guys are out of there. And he's wiped them out, and he's given the land to whoever he wants to give it to. He's God. That's how it works. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. Interesting, because that's the other book. Wednesday night, we're reading about Samuel. Afterward, they desired a king. God gave unto them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. So the first king, he lasts about 40 years, right? When he had removed him, why did he remove him? Because he wasn't faithful to God. And God can do that. He can do that for this ministry. I'm not faithful to God. God says, I've got to get somebody else. Nobody's got... We have this entitlement idea. Nobody's entitled to anything. It's all God. It's all blood-bought. I want to just do what God's called me to do, and he can take and remove me anytime he wants. That's, that's his prerogative. He did with, with Saul, because Saul wasn't a... He, he started out so good. You remember, those of you who've been... Uh, working with us on Wednesday night. He started out so good. He's a really humble guy. He's like close to like seven feet tall. He's a handsome guy. He had all these like good qualities. But then like, you know, power corrupts. And I guess it did with Saul. He was trying to kill David and it was all about him after a while. He didn't care. He wasn't faithful to the things of the Lord. After all, you remember kill the Amalekites? No, I ain't going to do that. I'll kill some of them, but I'll save all the sheep and all the, the best of the... And he let Agag... Uh, he didn't kill him, remember? And Saul cut him, uh, Samuel cut him up in little bits. I love stories like that in the Bible. Pray for me, I'm sick, but I love stuff like that. <laughs> he when he had removed him, he raised up unto him David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Would to God that we be men and women after God's own heart. David's not a perfect man. You and I are perfect people, but we can perfectly love God in a, in a real significant way. David did. This is where he's going. He started off that introduction to get to this place. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. Okay, yeah, he got there. Jesus, a descendant of King David. Isn't that interesting? Because... Here's our Sunday night study <laughs> recorded this morning. Uh, and, of course, we're doing Sunday morning study. And now it's referring to our Wednesday night study. Because uh, we just got to this place where Paul, where uh, uh, David's saying, I want to build God a house. And Nathan says, yeah, go for it, Dave. You're, you're the man. And then he had to go back and say, no, God told me you're not going to build him a house that your son is, but God's going to build you a house. And this is what's being explained right here. Um, of this man's seed, because God's going to build him a house. Have God, according to his promise, the, the promise that he made to David, I'm going to build you a house, an eternal house. It's eternal because the, the king of that house is an eternal person, Jesus Christ. 
So he raised from David, his, from David's seed, uh, to Israel, a Savior, Jesus. Now he jumps over to John the Baptist in verse 24. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he, but behold, there cometh one after me, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to lose. That's another thing that we should pray for. Pray for a man, be a man after God's own heart, and pray for this right attitude. John had it. I ain't nothing. I've got to decrease. He's got to increase. Would to God that we all had that in mind. And, oh, me? I'm his servant, but I'm a servant. I'm not even worthy, worthy loosen his sandals. I, I'm not even a foot-washing servant, if you think it all the way through. He wants me to serve him, but it's not because I'm anything special. It's because he's graciously invited me to be in his service. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of salva this salvation sent. What salvation? Jesus, Yeshua, God's Savior. That's what the name means. Um, why, did, why is this salvation? Because God gave us the thing that we needed the most. It's sad. You know, here we are in this season. We're, we're celebrating Christmas, the time when we... Uh, think that Jesus was born. I don't think it, but it's fine because it doesn't really matter. I mean, that, we've taken this time to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, the Savior. If we needed a teacher, God would have sent us a, a wise and wonderful teacher. We did need one a little bit. Jesus is a teacher. If we needed a good example, God would have sent us a good example. Well, we did need a good example a little bit, and God sent us the best example of all. Uh, did we need a prophet? Jesus is a prophet. And, you know, so he fulfills, he wears a lot of hats. He does a lot of things. But the thing that we needed the most was a Savior. We needed salvation from our sin. And Jesus that was sent to us. God sent us a Savior, Christ the Lord. Amen. This is what, is what we're celebrating more than, more than anything else. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from a tree and laid him in a sepulcher. Now let's talk about this. What happened? The people who should know about him, because they knew the Old Testament the best, rejected him. But it was prophesied that they would. Do you understand what happened last week in our study? Bar-Jesus, the sorcerer, Elymas, for that's his name, he said he tried to discourage the Gentile proconsul Sergius Paulus from believing. Did, did you catch that? I didn't emphasize it last week. The Jewish guy ended up blind. The Gentile guy ended up saved. That was prophesied. And now it's, they're acting it out. Now, when I say acting it out, please listen. The, this Bar-Jesus, this, this sorcerer guy, he couldn't do anything but fulfill that, right? I am not saying that. I have no uh, belief in my own thinking that his free will was compromised in any way. Does this... Does this Sergius Paulus, he was a prudent man. He wanted to hear the word. Was he saved to death? I mean, does he, despite what he wanted, he was saved and he could have done anything else. Well, you can go and debate about that if you want. I don't think salvation ever, I don't think God ever 
overcomes our... He's a, God is a free moral agent. We're creating his image. God makes choices. I think we make choices. I don't think he... You're saved, and there's nothing you can do about it. He's going to save you. Give you run away from him as fast as you can. This verse says it's going to talk about that here today, and I'm kind of getting us ready for it. I, th- I believe in God that he's sovereign. Okay? When were, you, when were you saved, Adam? Before the foundation of the earth, the way I understand it. Well, they had nothing to do with it. Nothing in the sense I didn't earn it. Did I choose Jesus? Yeah. Do I love Jesus? Yeah. Does he say, you love me because I first loved you? Yes. But I, I still love him. I still get on board. I still, I th- still think my free will was exercised. I think whosoever will in Scripture means whosoever will. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, my goodness. So anyway, they, they said no. And it was, it was prophesied. When God says something's going to happen, does that mean you're, like, helpless to... I don't think so. You know, I think people think about Judas. He couldn't have done anything else. I think God looks down the annals of time, sees Judas, see who he is, calls the shot, say this is how it's going to happen. Not that Judas was locked into, gee, I'd like to have got saved, I'd like to have gone to heaven, but, you know, God, the big mean, he made me Judas, and I couldn't do anything else. Really? You really think of God that way? I, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't. We can talk about it, but... I, and I know all the verse you can show me. I, I'll show them to you. I mean, you know what? It'll be a good argument. You take my pot, I'll take yours, and I can argue you. I, can, I know the verses, okay? It's, it, but you have, to, you have to figure it out on your own what you, what you think about it. Anyway, here, they didn't find any cause of death in him, yet decided they thought that he should be slain. I know I already read that. I'm going to emphasize it. Look, why, why is that with people? I mean, it's still that way. What has Jesus ever done bad for you? He came to the earth, shed his blood to save you from your sin. And people are just anti-Jesus. Really? I was. <laughs> Why were you? I don't know. This, the, the zeitgeist. The, listen, there's two teams. God's team and everybody else. I said it. And everybody else is a Satan. Now, people say, I don't purposefully serve Satan. No, you accidentally do. It's the default button. Jesus says, you're, you're, you're for me or against me. You gather with me or you scatter abroad. And he takes all of us out of that fuzzy gray that we've put. So I'm not born again. I'm not a Christian. But I'm not against Jesus. I think he's lovely and how he loved the little children. And Oh, stop it. You're against him if you're not saved, if you're not for him, if you're not gathering with him. He, he took us all out of that, that fuzzy gray that we like to live in doesn't exist it only exists in our mind and this is the true truth they found no cause of death in him yet desired they pilot that he should be slain crucify him what has he done crucify him <laughs> we, we know people like that right they don't have an argument so when you talk to them they just get louder half the people who subscribe to one party in america like that i feel like you know the twilight zone the anthony episode where you know, they're all, Bill Mummy plays them, he sends everyone out to the corn if they, or turns them into a jack-in-box, you know? You, you know what I'm talking about, some of you. Smile, say, yeah, okay, you see now, whatever, he's off on something. You know that one? I feel like some people I'm talking about, I'm just walking on eggshells, not trying to get sent out to the corn. Because people are like that. They got nothing to say, so they say it louder and louder and more shrill. This is, but this is an old thing. It's not, it, it's not invented in America in the 21st century. I got nothing, so I'll say it louder. And with this, 
They found no cause of death in him, yet desired they pilot that he should be slain. And when they had filled all that was written to him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulchre. So they took him down from the tree, the cross, right? It's, it's always called a tree in Scripture. Often called a tree in Scripture, I should say. And they laid him in a sepulchre, tomb. Literally flesh eater, if you must know. Okay? Does it eat his flesh? Well, he's going to talk about that. But God raised him from the dead. Now we've got to pause. Really? He was dead and then he wasn't. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yes, I'm exactly trying to tell you that. Say, that's a hard one to, that's a hard sell. I, I know. It doesn't happen every day of the week, right? It happened here. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. Hey, we saw him raised from the dead. Paul himself did on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. And a lot of the disciples did. He was, I mean, all the disciples, the original 12 minus Judas, they, they all saw him raised from the dead. In the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul says there were 500 witnesses to the resurrection. That's pretty much cut and dried, 500, okay? While I'm doing this here this morning, somebody goes into a drugstore and steals all the Oxycontin at gunpoint, and somebody says, hey, I thought it was Adam Casper. like, I saw the guy fleeing. Well, they come and question me, and I say, no, nah, I was here Sunday morning. I got a couple of witnesses, just this number, less than 500. How many people are they going to say, hey, was Adam here preaching Sunday morning at, uh, at uh, 11 o'clock? Yeah, he was here, yeah. How, yeah, it was here. Yeah. How many guys are going to say, oh, I guess they get the wrong man? Less than 500, right? 500 is a lock. Two or three is all you need. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, may every word be established. We still see that. We still see that. You know, yeah, he shot him. I saw it. And the, the other person, yeah, he saw, I, I saw him. He came in here with a gun and he just shot him, just shot him like he's going away for a long time. Here in Maine, right? What's well, probably 20 years or something, isn't it? Shoot somebody, cold blood. I'm being facetious, but only a little bit. It, Two, two witnesses. Jesus, did he resurrect from the dead? Says all the disciples. Who went to their grave saying, yeah. I mean, let's think about it. Did Jesus really uh, rise from the dead there, Peter? Yep. We're going to crucify you. Bring it. We're going to crucify you upside down. That's good. Let's do it. I ain't, I ain't recanting. I think one of them would have said, okay, guys, I, I'm just clowning around a little bit. You can find the corpse at uh, such and such a place because uh, they're in on the... No, no, no. They all went to their, their deaths as martyrs saying, yeah, Jesus resurrected from the dead. Oh, my goodness. God raised him from the dead. How do we know? Because the Bible says so. Uh, and he was seen many days of them which came uh, up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings. This is good news. That Jesus was raised from the dead. Oh, yeah. His victory over death. His victory over death in your life. He has victory over sin in your life. He has power, and he gives you resurrected power. Uh, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. We sang it. Did you get it? Did you revel in it? Was it glad tidings to you? Why did Jesus come to the earth? To give me new life, to give me eternal life, to give you forever life with God. Incredible. Um, we declare these glad tidings. How the promise which had been made unto the fathers, God had fulfilled the same unto us, their children, and that he hath raised up Jesus again. As it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Let's visit here for a second. You've got to understand, God raised Jesus up from the dead. This is a, we're not, we're not 
Well, I, I believe in Christianity. I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in this resurrection stuff. No, 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 no. We don't. We're not debating this. This is this is solid scriptures. Anything in the whole Bible. Now, here's some uh, your your kingdom hall friends here. They come knocking on your door, and that Jesus is not God because of this verse. Okay, they got it wrong. You understand, but I'll show you why. He's talking about the resurrection. God hath fulfilled the same unto their children that he hath raised up Jesus. He's talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in the second psalm, he's still talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. God, in a very special way, in the resurrection says, I'm putting, conferring sonship on you. Was God the son, Jesus the son, was he son before the resurrection? Of course he was. But this is God's way, this is his manifest, manifesto to the nations. See, my son, I raised him up from the dead. And this is what Psalm 2 is talking about. Uh, so they say, oh, he's begotten, he's the first of creation. God created him, and he's a created being. This is, verse doesn't say anything about that. He's begotten of the Father in a unique way by the resurrection. It doesn't mean God, Mr. and Mrs. God had a little baby God, Jesus, it doesn't mean that. When God begets Jesus, it means raised him up from the dead. It doesn't, and then when we say, you know, he's only begotten of the Father in the Apostles' Creed, that's what we're referring to, whether we know it or not, we're referring to the resurrection. He's eternal, coexisting with the Father, okay? It's not like he came into being um, on Christmas Day, whenever that happened, 2,000 years ago. He's the creator. Jesus Christ is the creator. John chapter 1 says that. Colossians says that. Several other places it says that. He's the creator. He was around when God said, in the beginning, God said, Elohim, plural God, said, uh, earth be, light be. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That God, Jesus Christ. You say, well, Father God created. Yes, he did. We say, well, the spirit brooded on the face of the waters. The spirit of God created. Yes, he did. Correct. Okay, Elohim, plural, gods created. But there's only one God. Yes, there is. And we'll go round and round about that. Three persons, one God. Bible says it. I'm going to leave it at that right now. Because i got a long place to go. It's concerning that he raised him from the dead. See, he's still talking about raising him from the dead. Look at the context. Um, Verse 30, God raised him from the dead. And a lot of people saw it in verse 31. And we're declaring to you uh, in verse 32 that God raised him from the dead. And this God that uh, God fulfilled the same unto the children that he raised up Jesus from the dead. Verse 33, thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee, raised thee from the dead. Now verse 34, as concerning that he raised him up from the dead. I mean, it's all about the resurrection. That's what the whole passage is about. And God is, uh, here the Holy Spirit of God is confirming that. And that's what Acts, um, Psalm chapter 2 means. He, as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he saith also in another psalm, thou, art, thou shalt not suffer thy holy one to see corruption. For David, after that he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised, uh, again, saw no corruption. Now we've got to talk about corruption. Hey, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That's how it works. What do you mean? When somebody's been in the ground for a long time, in the 
next few months and years, you wouldn't want to see what's going on under there. But after a while, it's dust. Everyone returns back to the, what they came for. We're just soil. The stuff that's out, in, out there, you know, in the garden, and it's the same stuff you're made of. Okay, okay, ingeniously arranged dirt, but dirt and water nonetheless. And we're going back to that. And this is what the passage is telling us. Now, you aren't, if you're going to be resurrected, you've got this, this eternal body. What's that made of, by the way? Your eternal body. I have no idea. I mean, is it, is it, is it blood drive? I don't think so. Remember Jesus, when he, after he resurrected, he said, uh, touch me. Uh, does a spirit have uh, flesh and bone? Why didn't he say flesh and blood? I don't think he had blood. I don't think it's a blood drive system anymore. I'm talking, this a, a, I, I, I suppose, I've never done a, a DNA test on a resurrected person. Nobody has, as far as I know. It's kind of hard guessing, uh, you know what I mean? But this body here, it sees corruption. Is he talking about David? No, David, he, he saw corruption. If you dug him up now, it wouldn't be pretty is what, what he's saying. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. Why? Because there's no corruption in the Son of God. There's nothing corruptible about him. You know why? Because the wages of sin is death. Well, he suffered the death, but not because of his own... He didn't do anything wrong. Death had no hold on him. Corruption couldn't claim him. The, the grave couldn't keep him. Why? They, they, nothing to grab onto. The wage of sin is death, but he didn't sin. He was incorrupt. He was pure. He was holy. He was undefiled. There was nothing corruptible about him. He didn't come under the curse. One, he just wasn't born of man, cursed man, our late great Adam. He, he, he passed that death on all of us. He was virgin born. He didn't come of that corruptible seed. And then, you know, the next thing to do, sin yourself. You, it doesn't matter what Adam did a zillion years ago. The fact that you're a sinner makes you a sinner. Not You, you inherit it, one. Two, you came by it honestly because you sinned. And those two things are strikes against us. Which one is Jesus guilty of? He didn't inherit it from Adam, and he never sinned himself. He couldn't be corrupted. He, he was incorruptible. You say, well, that's kind of like a play on words. Yes, it is. He was incorruptible in his person. He was incorruptible in his physicalness. There was nothing, corruption couldn't grab hold of him. Be it known unto you, therefore, brethren, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Now this is the game changer. This is what the resurrection's all about. We don't worship a dead Savior. Good place for an amen. We don't worship a dead Savior. He didn't like uh, uh, pay the penalty for your sins, but now I'm dead. Oh, good luck. Hope everything works out good. No, 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 no. He overcame the, the, the grave. What is he saying? I, I'm overcoming the grave for you. When, when you're dead and you're in the, we put you away in the earth somewhere, burn you up, bury you, I'm coming for you. And just like, the, it's a big scary thing to us, death, ah! And he's like, hey, nothing but a thing. I've been through it. I've been out the other side. You ever hear one of these people who are like, had these near-death experiences? They went to heaven, it's all cool. It was, a, it was a bright light, and it was fields and fjords and butterflies and rainbows. And Don't worry, it's all good. Really? What are you doing here then? I don't want to... Also, see, your, your lack of oxygen in your brain, and you had this wonderful whatever, and now you're going to come tell us about it? 
How about Jesus? Is he part of the... No, no, it's just wonderful. Don't worry about any of that God stuff. It's all good. Really? I don't want somebody who had a near-death experience. I want somebody who embraced death, got through it, and came out the other side of the tomb. That's what I want. And that guy says, yeah, you should definitely, definitely fear death outside of me. With me, there's no fear. I've taken it all away. I've conquered death. I've conquered the grave. I've conquered it for you. That's why at the end of first, uh, we get enough time. At the end of first Corinthians, you can turn there. First uh, Corinthians 15 is one of my favorite chapters. I probably um, quote it very often. Uh, so when this corruptible, right, shall have put on incorruption, what's that? Resurrection. And this mortal, right, shall have put on immortality, what's that? The resurrection. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? You know what this is? Trash talk. This is trash talk. You, you, you know, you're playing basketball with somebody, you got nothing. Get out of here. You know, you come to the driving lane, you slap it right back. Get out of here with that thing. You can't, you can't come in here. Uh, it's trash talk. Athletes know this, right? Warriors know this. You got to play with people's mind. You got to psych them out, right? And then you just, this is, this is trash talk. Divine trash talk. Paul's saying, Grave, what do you got? And all you got, you got nothing. You're a punk. Uh, uh, death. You got, oh, big sting, right? That's all you got? You got nothing. You're a punk. You got, you're nothing. Resurrection. Now what do you got? This is, this is wonderful. Am I thinking, well, because I like trash talk. Again, pray for me, okay? Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. Uh-oh. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, you don't have to worry about death. You don't have to worry about corruption. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Jesus has gone before. He's going to resurrect us. He's got, because he knows all about resurrection, he can resu- he's passing resurrection on to us. And I ain't waiting until I'm dead either. I'm going to do, live resurrected life right now. I used to be victimized by sin all the time. It was my daily fear. It was my thought, my intent, the love of my life was sin. Now God said, hey, I, I've come and I've lived such and such a life. I'm going to give you resurrected power over sin. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand fast and don't be entangled again into a yoke of bondage. I mean, I ain't even waiting for resurrection to be, I'm, just, I'm, I'm claiming some of that now. Well, I don't have a resurrected body. It's graying, slowing down. Say, so, yeah, we know. But sin doesn't have any victory over me. And we, we can't allow it to. Um, where, where, where was I? He, it was, uh, I have totally lost my place. What? No, 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 I'm back in Acts. <laughs> That's why I lost my place. <laughs> what? 39.40. By him, okay, back in verse 38, and you're right, I finished 38. Be it known unto you, brethren, uh, therefore men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by the way, this is a game changer. This, is, this changes everything. This changes everything. What other religion offers forgiveness of sin? It was Plato or Socrates or one of these wise guys back in the day. 
It may be that the divinity can forgive sin, said he, but I don't see how. He was thinking, okay, if you have a just God, how can he wink at, overlook your sin? You're in a heap of trouble. We've all sinned, and God's going to exact a payment for it. Uh Uh-oh, that's going to be a bad day for me. Standing before God, he's got the scroll. You know, he unscrolls it, goes down to his feet and rolls out about 80 yards that way. (laughs) It doesn't look good. Oh, my goodness, it doesn't look good. I'm just like, I'm done. Where's, Where's Hallam? I bought it. Oh, no, 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 no. There's no scroll. There's... Enter into the joy of the Lord, a good and faithful servant. That's what Jesus did for us. Forgiveness of sins. So all these religions in the world, you've got to do more good than bad. And the things bad, you've got to pay some kind of, whether they call it karma or not, you've got to pay it off. You've got to do good things, more good than bad. Who does that? On my best day, I don't want to be judged for, the wages of sin is death. It's not going to go well for me. Oh, Jesus paid the penalty for my sin. He died. Wages in his death, he died for my sin. Oh. In Christianity, forgiveness of sins. Your sins are dismissed. They're gone. I'm going to have to give an answer for all this. The answer is the cross. You get that or you don't. I I see even as Christians, we wrestle with this. We think we've got to like, you know, live like this amazing sinless life. Well, if you got that, good. Do it. I would encourage it. I don't know anyone who's doing it. Certainly not me. Let's keep moving. i got still a ton of places. <laughs> uh, by him, and by him, all of, all of believe are justified from all things. Justified. What's that? Just as if I'd never sinned. Really? Yeah. God's going to say, okay, what do I got on you? He, got, he opens up a scroll and is absolutely, positively blank. Or maybe just heavily redacted. It's all blacked out, you know, or, or read out by the, the blood covering all the... He's got nothing on me. He's got nothing on me. He's got nothing on everyone who believes. Everyone who behaves, no one who believes. They're justified of all things. How did uh, Sergius Paulus get saved last week? He believed. Did he go to church every Sunday, give a lot of money? Do the things that, did he read his Bible every day? He didn't even own a Bible. He believed. And he was justified. By him all that believe are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. People come up and tell you, you keep supposed to keep the law? Yeah, go ahead. If you can. It won't justify you. Hey, look at, they could never be justified by the law of Moses. I don't understand, guys, with this fascination with the law. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. It reveals the heart and the mind of God. Can you keep it? Good luck. In the flesh? Good luck again. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't commit uh, adultery. Don't kill anybody. Don't steal anything. Those are good things. I'm not against any of those, right? But when I come up short, boy, I better have another mechanism in place. I need forgiveness of sins. It's what Jesus Christ's blood provides. Beware, therefore, lest, th- lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, ye despises and wonder and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. Let's go to Habakkuk chapter 1. Habakkuk wants to know 
why God's judging his people. He says, hey, you, ain't, you ain't heard nothing yet. I mean, I'm going to tell you what's going to ha happen. You ain't even going to believe it. And what it was, he's going to bring the Babylonians on Jerusalem and sack the whole city because of their wickedness. And he's talking about sure judgment for those who reject this message. When the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Great. And Paul's like, yeah. <laughs> now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious pro proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Oh, what to God that we see all that here. We'll just keep, I don't know if we'll blow out a wall and add more chairs. I'll be just more services. I'll start at 6 in the morning and preach at 6 in the afternoon. I don't care. I'll write around a clock. That's just, it would be wonderful. Uh, God, bring as many as you want. Next Sabbath they came, of the whole city together, hear the word of God. Why? Wouldn't I love that? Jews don't love it. They don't. What's the problem here? When the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. Hey, we've had these synagogue services. A few people show up and, you know, good, but we never had turnout like this. What's going on here? What is with us? The human beings. If God is blessing, praise God, right? We're not jealous of what God's doing in other places, are we? few times I hear, like I listen to Voice of the Martyrs and God's doing some stuff in other countries, and I get a little jealous, but I think like, you know, we had our day. We have to be as spiritual as we want to be. We could follow him as, as intently as we want to be. And for the most part, this land has turned their back on God. Uh, every church, everyone you can name practically, uh, there's a steady decline in attendance, in giving, in faithfulness, in our, our theology is in the gutter. We don't know what we believe. As Christians, supposed Christians, we, ha we have no idea. And God's saying, oh, okay, you guys, you've had your turn. I'm going over here. I'm working some work. And so people like behind the bamboo curtain, China is cracking down on your brothers and sisters. You listen to, did you listen to Voice of the Martyrs this week? It was all China week. That one on Sister Amber yesterday. Go on Voice of the Martyrs and listen, that was special. We would listen last night and we were all blubbering. It was wonderful. God is working some places. He just ain't working here quite so much. How can we get him to, how can we encourage God to, hey, we're not, don't leave us. Don't, we got stuff. We, we got neighbors. We got family. We got pray. He hears prayer. He answers prayer. He's a, he's a good, he's a gracious God. He's a loving heavenly father. Jews saw the multitude. They were filled with envy. Ugh. Horrible word. And they spoke against these things which Paul, uh, which was spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. You contradict Paul, you are blaspheming. Just in case you're wondering. I mean, that's a no-brainer, right? Why were they doing that? Envy? I'm going to hell. I want you to go to hell with me. Crazy stuff. I, I don't understand that at all. It's human nature. And Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing he put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. And that was Paul's modus operandi everywhere he went. 
Go to the synagogue first. Let's, let's talk to the Jews. Oh, you don't want this? Good, that's fine. We're going over here and we're going we're gonna to preach to the lost, to the Gentiles. We don't think of, in terms of Jew and Gentile. Paul did. Um, now we just think in terms, we want everyone to know Jesus. We don't care, Jew, Gentile. None of that stuff matters to us, right? Because we're Gentiles. But Paul's the one who said to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. We don't see Paul teaching. We, we don't see his... All through like the book of Acts, we don't read Paul's. But if you know Paul's uh, epistle letters, you see him act them out. You see him, he, he's living on a certain constraint. He believes a certain way, and he's living that out. Yeah, we're going to bring the, to the Jew first, because that's how God did it. Okay, he brought his message of salvation to a man named Abraham. Took, to come out of her to the Chaldees and spoke to him. Oh, you don't want it? Well, that's okay, because I wanted you to be a blessing to all the people of the world, but you don't want to do that? Well, I'm still going to go to all the people of the world with this message. And I think that's a wonderful thing, and praise God for it. We're going to turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee as a light of the Gentiles. Thou should be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. He promised that to Abraham, by the way. They never really got on that. They never really got hold of that. Like, And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And there's two pots here. I want to get, go both pots. And Gentiles heard these things and were glad, aren't you? I heard about the salvation in Jesus Christ through his blood. And all I had to do was believe and accept Jesus. And I'm made a forever son of his. I, that's a wonderful, that was a good day. February 14th, uh, 1980. Okay, a lot of you weren't even on the planet yet. All right, that's what happened for me. Praise his holy name. And he saved me. I was very happy. I was very glad hearing this. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. It says it. Do I believe that? Yep. Yes. Yes. Unapologetically. Adam, when were you saved? February 14th, 1980. But in God's eyes, before the foundation of the earth. Did God select me for salvation? I think so. Was it based on what I had? I, I don't, listen, I don't. We're going to go round and round and round on this, okay? And I think in no way was my free will impinged on. Say, well, he's sovereign. I know, he's still sovereign. But you sin, right? It's not his will that you sin. People talk about the sovereignty of God like it's the magic bullet for all of this. I believe, people who believe that we have free will still believe in the sovereignty of God. He's not so sovereign that he won't let me sin. He doesn't want me to sin. Fil filter this in in your thinking. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life, the scripture tells us. And also think about what Jesus says, but most people perish. Most people on that wide, that broad way that leads to destruction. That's not God's will. Now, if God had his way, nobody would ever get lost. Nobody would go to hell. It's not his will that any should perish. But if the majority perish, what does that tell us? It tells us that God doesn't always have his will. Just because he's sovereign doesn't mean that every last little decision you make is in his sovereignty. If, if his sovereignty, if he's running my life, every choice I make, oh, I, I would blaspheme by saying that he, most, many choices I make are wrong. He's not, he, he's not, I don't want you to do that, but we do it anyway. You know, you've got to understand this too about the sovereignty of God. He allows, because I was 
talking to a friend of mine, you know, he came back to work for us and he was saying, and he, I ministered the gospel to many, many, many times over the years, and he was saying to me, well, what about the, and it was a school shooting, one of the many, right? Well, how come God allowed that? What about this? And what did, I said, God didn't do that. God didn't, God didn't take gun in hand and start shooting people. He allowed it. Well, I know. He allows you to sin. He allows me to sin. I, I, we're free moral agents. We're creating his image. He doesn't overrule when you choose sin. He just doesn't. But he said, don't kill. It's not his fault when we do stuff wrong. Hey, Adam, look at this tree over here, knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat it. That's going to go bad for you. You're going to die. Oh, what, this tree over here? <laughs> Eve all like, you know, huh, don't even touch it, Adam's saying. And she's like, you know, and the whole, you know the whole story. It's, it's not good that we should be the judges of good and evil. Leave that to God. It's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let God determine what's right and what's wrong. We imbibe there. Now, ever since, we've been thinking like, oh, well, God doesn't know. We know better. We don't even know who should marry who. We don't even know if you get, there's only two genders. We, 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 we've lost our minds, and we're questioning God like he's done something wrong. Oy vey. They heard these things. They were glad. They glorified God. And they were ordained to eternal life, and they believed, and I agree with that 100%. I'm not saying anyone's free will is violated, and I think God selected and God chose, and I have to say this verse is as clear as any in Scripture. And I still, still believe whosoever will means whosoever will. God's not dealing from a stacked deck. Uh, duck, duck, damn. Just No, he's... Wants everyone to be saved. Enough said, Fred, let's keep going. And the word of the Lord was published through all the reason. Not published like in a book form, but spread out is the idea. Disseminated. And Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women. Why are they stirring up people? Because there's no neutral ground. You're for him or you're against him. And when you understand you're not actively for him, you actively go against him. The Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women, the chief men of the city, and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. They're going to be guilty on Judgment Day for that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They shook off the dust of their feet against them and came into Iconium. Shaking off the dust of your feet is like, you know, the Jews did that. When they went into Gentile land, when they came back into the promised land, they shook the dust off their feet and off their hands. They, they kind of like, you know, kind of like, you know, like you do when you come in, you get all the mud off your boot, you know what I mean, stuff like that. They did that, and what they're saying, we don't want your nasty Gentile dust to invade our holy, holy land. It was nowhere in Scripture to be found. But they did that all the time. And Jesus says, when somebody doesn't receive you, shake off the dust of your feet against them. They'll get it. They'll, they'll understand what you're saying. And here, Paul and Barnabas are doing that. I've left a church before uh, in my day, a, a church that voted out a good friend of mine as a pastor. I sh we literally shook off the dust of our feet and said, we're done. We're not going to be in here anymore, which is not a good idea because then a friend of mine came to teach there and I could never go there because I'd... But there's a place where, okay, that's how you, that's how you want to be. That's how you are. And they, they understand this. That's what they're shaking the dust off their feet against them. And they, and they came into Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Ghost. Why? Because they were persecuted. Persecution equals joy and being filled with the Holy Ghost? Yeah, don't ask me to explain it. But you know, if you've 
been out there and you've been witnessing for Jesus Christ and you've been laughed at and you've been scorned and ridiculed and mocked and people say all manner of evil against you falsely for his name's sake, you know that the Spirit of God is, is there, present, and he's ministering to our spirit that we're on the right track and we're doing the right thing. It's, it's, I, I don't know how to describe it, but if you've experienced it, it doesn't need description. And if you've never experienced it, I don't know if I could describe it anyway. So you listen to these wonderful, these voices of the martyrs, people in jail facing incredible persecution, beatings, and worse. And they're living and loving the Lord and serving the Lord. And they count themselves, there's a joy there. You know, the one, the the brothers she was talking about who was leading all the prisoners to Christ and stuff, and they had to kick them out of the prison because the whole, the jailers and and everybody were converting to Christ. So they kicked them out. And they said, you better not preach anymore. He says, yeah, you'll know where to find me when you want to pick me up again. Right with his Bible out and preaching the word of God again. How do you stop somebody like that? Hello, we're bought with a price. My face isn't like getting laughed in. Anymore than your face likes getting laughed in. I think that's what God made faces for. And let them do their worst. The spirit of, of comfort and of grace rests on us. And it's a joyful thing when people do this. When you stand for the Lord, you'll understand. Just, just step out on faith and some will believe and some will mock. Either way, it's up to God, but we'll be faithful, in, like these men, faithful in preaching. And when the opposition comes, you're filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Let's stand pray, and our minstrels will come and send us out of here in song. covered a lot today, Father, and I pray that a lot of words spoken, but you'd marshal them in our hearts and our minds in such a way that the things that you want to accomplish, not my words, Lord, dismiss all my words, but your word, Lord, that we would understand, that we would get a, a better appreciation for, that we would live in and love your word, and it would just become an extension of our, of our, our very being, our, our, the wolf and the wharf of our, the fiber of our being, Lord, we would, we would be your people, Bible people, in Jesus' name, amen.